Chapter Six of the Legends of Genesis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of Genesis by Hermann Gunkel, translated by William Herbert Karoth. Chapter Six: Priestly Codex and Final Redaction. Besides those already treated we find evidence of another separate stream of tradition. This source is so distinct from the other sources, both in style and spirit, that in the great majority of cases it can be separated from them to the very letter. This collection also is not limited to Genesis. On the contrary, the legends of the beginnings and of the patriarchs are to it merely a brief preparation for the capital matter, which is the legislation of Moses. The priestly codex is of special importance for us because the entire discussion of the Old Testament has hitherto turned essentially upon its data. It is Wellhausen's immortal merit to have recognized the true character of this source, which had previously been considered the oldest, to have demonstrated thus the incorrectness of the entire general view of the Old Testament, and thus to have prepared the field for a living and truly historical understanding of the history of the religion of Israel. The style of P is extremely peculiar, exceedingly detailed, and aiming at legal clearness and minuteness, having always the same expressions and formulae with precise definitions and monotonous set phrases with consistently employed outlines which lack substance with genealogies and with titles over every chapter it is in the tone of prosaic pedantry often indeed the very style of the legal document for instance chapter eleven verse eleven and chapter twenty three verses seventeen and eighteen Occasionally, however, it is not without a certain solemn dignity, especially in Genesis chapter 1, and elsewhere also. Compare the scene, chapter 47, verses 7 through 11. One must really read the whole material of P consecutively in order to appreciate the dryness and monotony of this remarkable book. The author is evidently painfully exact and exemplary in his love of order but appreciation of poetry was denied him as to many another scholar the selection of material both in large and in small matters is highly characteristic in p the only stories of any length which he gives us are those of the creation and the deluge of god's appearance to abraham and of the purchase of the cave at machpelah all else is details and genealogies. From by far the greatest number of narratives, he found use only for separate and disconnected observations. One has only to compare the ancient variegated and poetic legends and the scanty reports which P gives of them in order to learn where his interests lie. He does not propose to furnish a poetic narrative as those of old had done, but only to arrive at the facts. 
this is why he was unable to use the many individual traits contained in the old legends but merely took from them a very few facts he ignored the sentiments of the legends he did not see the personal life of the patriarchs their figures once so concrete have become mere pale types when seen through his medium in times of old many of these legends had been located in definite places thereby gaining life and color p has forgotten all but two places the cave of machpelah where the patriarchs dwelt and lie buried and bethel where god revealed himself to jacob on the other hand he has a great predilection for genealogies which as we have seen were the latest elements to be contributed to the accumulation of the legend and which are in their very nature unconcrete and unpoetical a very large portion of p's share in genesis is genealogy and nothing more even those narratives which are told by p at length manifest this same lack of color they are narratives that are not really stories the account of the purchase at the cave of machpelah might have been nothing but an incidental remark in one of the older storytellers p has spun it out at length because he wanted to establish as beyond all doubt the fact that the cave really belonged to the patriarchs and was an ancestral sepulchre but he had not the poetic power necessary to shape the account into a story in the great affairs of state which p gives instead of the old stories storytelling has ceased there is only talking and negotiating even the accounts of the creation the deluge and the covenant with abraham manifest a wide contrast with the vivid colors of the older legends they lack greatly in the concrete elements of a story instead of this p gives in them something else something altogether alien to the spirit of the early legend to wit legal ordinances and these in circumstantial detail another characteristic of p is his pronounced liking for outlines this order-loving man has ensnared the gay legends of the olden time in his gray outlines and there they have lost all their poetic freshness take as an illustration the genealogy of abraham and seth even the stories of the patriarchs have been caged by p in an outline importance attached to chronology furthermore p attaches to the legends a detailed chronology which plays a great role in his account but is absolutely out of keeping with the simplicity of the old legends chronology belongs by its very nature to history not to legend where historical narrative and legend exist as living literary species they are recognized as distinct even though unconsciously this confusion of the two species in p shows that in his time the natural appreciation for both history and legend had been lost 
accordingly it is not strange that the chronology of p displays everywhere the most absurd oddities when injected into the old legends as a result sarah is still at sixty-five a beautiful woman whom the egyptians seek to capture and ishmael is carried on his mother's shoulder after he is a youth of sixteen there has been added a great division of the world's history into periods which p forces upon the whole matter of his account he recognizes four periods from the creation to noah from noah to abraham from abraham to moses and from moses on each of these periods begins with a theophany and twice a new name for god is introduced he who is elohim at the creation is el shaddai in connection with abraham and yahweh to moses at the establishment of the covenant certain divine ordinances are proclaimed first that men and beasts are to eat only herbs and then after the deluge that flesh may be eaten but no men be slain and then especially for abraham that he and his descendants shall circumcise themselves finally the mosaic law in connection with these certain definite divine promises are made and signs of the covenant given what we find in this is the product of a great and universal mind the beginning of a universal history in the grand style and indeed p shows a genuinely scientific mind in other points consider for instance his precision in the order of creation in genesis chapter one and his definitions there but the material of the legends which this grandiose universal history uses stands in very strong contrast with the history itself the signs of the covenant are the rainbow circumcision and the sabbath a very remarkable list and how remote is this spirit of universal history which even undertakes to estimate the duration of the entire age of the world from the spirit of the old legend which originally consists of only a single story that is never able to rise to the height of such general observations in j for instance we hear nothing of the relation of abraham's religion to that of his fathers and his tribal kinsmen the religious views of the priestly codex furthermore we cannot deny that this reflection of p's that Yahweh first revealed himself in quite a general form as god and then in a concreter form as el shaddai and only at the last under his real name is after all very childish the real history of religion does not begin with the general and then pass to the concrete but on the contrary it begins with the very most concrete conceptions and only slowly and gradually do men learn to comprehend what is abstract it is characteristic of the religion of the author p that he says almost nothing about the personal piety of the patriarchs 
he regards only the objective as important in religion for instance he says nothing about abraham's obedience on faith indeed does not hesitate to report that abraham laughed at god's promise chapter 17 verse 17 the religion that he knows consists in the prescription of ceremonies he regards it of importance that the sabbath shall be observed that circumcision shall be practiced that certain things shall be eaten and others not in such matters he is very scrupulous he abstains evidently with deliberation from telling that the patriarchs offered sacrifice in any certain place and this evidently for the reason that these places were regarded as heathenish in his time similarly in his account of the deluge he does not distinguish the clean and the unclean beasts it is his opinion that established worship and the distinction of clean and unclean were not introduced until the time of moses but in this we hear the voice of a priest of jerusalem whose theory is that the worship at his sanctuary is the only legitimate worship and the continuation of the worship instituted by moses the israelitish theocracy this in modern phrase is the foundation thought of his work is the purpose of the world god created the world in order that his ordinances and commandments might be observed in the temple at jerusalem the theophanies of p are characterized by their inconcreteness he tells only that god appeared spoke and again ascended and leaves out everything else in this then he follows the style of the latest additions to j and e which also contains such speeches attributed to god without any introduction it is evident that in this there is expressed a religious hesitation on the part of p to involve the supermundane god with the things of this world it seems as though he suspected the heathen origin of these theophanies at the same time we perceive what his positive interest is he cares for the content of the divine revelation but not for its how moreover it is no accident that he conceives of these speeches of god as covenant-making evidently he has in mind this originally legal form this union of the priest the scholar and the distinctive lawyer which seems to us perhaps remarkable at first is after all quite natural among many ancient races the priesthood was the guardian of learning and especially of the law and thus it surely was in israel too where from primitive times the priests were accustomed to settle difficult disputes p developed his style in the writing of contracts this is quite evident in many places but it is especially characteristic of p that he no longer refers to the sacred symbols which had once possessed such great importance for the ancient religion as may be seen particularly in the legends of the patriarchs in him we no longer find a reference to the monuments the trees and the groves 
and the springs at which according to the ancient legends the divinity appeared p has expunged all such matter from the legend evidently because he considered it heathenish here we see plainly the after-effects of the fearful polemics of the prophets it is in the same spirit which branded the ancient sacred place of bethel as heathen in the reform of josiah and which here rejects from the ancient legends everything that smacks of heathenism to these children of a later time this much then is certain that the conceptions of god in p are loftier and more advanced than those of the old legends and yet p is far below these older authors who had not made the acquaintance of the sacerdotalism of jerusalem but who did know what piety is just as p purified the religion of the patriarchs so did he also purge their morality here too p adds the last word to a development which we have followed up in j and e the old legends of the patriarchs being an expression of the most primitive life of the people contained a great deal that those of a later time could not but regard as wrong and sinful if they were quite honest about it and yet the belief of the time was that the patriarchs were models of piety and virtue what pains had been taken to eliminate at least the most offensive things in this line so far as possible when it comes to p at last he makes a clean sweep he simply omits altogether what is offensive for instance the quarrel of the shepherds of abraham and lot lot's selfishness the exile of ishmael jacob's deceptions he even goes to the length of maintaining the precise contrary to the tradition ishmael and isaac together peacefully buried their father chapter twenty five verse nine and so did jacob and esau chapter thirty five verse twenty nine facts which cannot be obliterated receive a different motivation thus he explains isaac's blessing of jacob as a result of esau's sinful mixed marriages chapter twenty six verse thirty four and following chapter twenty eight verse one and following and he lays the crime against joseph at the door of the sons of bilhah and zilpah chapter thirty seven verse two from all this it appears clear that p dealt very arbitrarily with the tradition as it came down to him he dropped old versions or changed them at pleasure mere incidents he spun out to complete stories and from whole stories he adopted only incidents he mingled the motives of various legends declaring for instance that the blessing received by jacob from isaac was the blessing of abraham which had been entirely foreign to the thought of the old storytellers chapter twenty eight verse four from the stories of the old tradition which stood in loose juxtaposition he formed a continuous narrative with close connection this too a mark of the latest period 
in place of the legends he placed his chapters with regular headings this narrator then has no conception of the fidelity of the older authors he probably had an impression that it was necessary to lay on vigorously in order to erect a structure worthy of god the older authors j and e were really not authors but merely collectors while p is a genuine author the former merely accumulated the stone left to them in a loose heap but p erected a symmetrical structure in accordance with his own taste and yet we should be wrong if we should assume that he deliberately invented his allegations in genesis tradition was too strong to permit even him to do this on the contrary he simply worked over the material though very vigorously indeed we can often recognize by details how he followed his source in the general outline of events when no personal interest of his own was involved but this source at least for genesis was neither j nor e but one related to them the age of the priestly codex after this portrayal of the situation the age of p is evident it belongs by every evidence at the close of the whole history of the tradition and certainly separated by a great gap from j and e the living stream of legend from which j and e the old collectors had dipped must by that time have run dry if it had become possible for p to abuse it in this fashion for the construction of his history and in the meanwhile a great intellectual revolution must have taken place a revolution which had created something altogether new in the place of the old nationality represented in the legends p is the documentary witness of a time which was consciously moving away from the old traditions and which believed it necessary to lay the foundations of religion in a way differing from that of the fathers and in p we have revealed the nature of this new element which had then assumed sway it is the spirit of the learned priest that we here find expressed furthermore this also is clear to us from the whole manner of p and particularly from his formal language that we have not here the work of an individual with a special tendency but of a whole group whose convictions he expresses p's work is nothing more nor less than an official utterance it is the priesthood of jerusalem with which the document p originated hence the applicableness of the designation priestly codex wellhausen has revealed to us the time to which this spirit belonged this is the epoch following the great catastrophe to the people and the state of judah when the people overwhelmed by the tremendous impression of their measureless misfortune recognized that their fathers had sinned and that a great religious reformation was necessary only in connection with this period can we comprehend p with his grandiose want of respect for what had been the most sacred traditions of his people 
we know also well enough that it was the priesthood alone in that day which held its own and kept the people together after all other authorities had worn themselves out or perished after its restoration the congregation of judah was under the dominion of priests in keeping with this period also is the remarkably developed historical scholarship of p the older epoch had produced excellent storytellers but no learned historians while in this period of exile judean historiography had lost its naive innocence under the powerful influence of the superior babylonian civilization judaism also had acquired a taste for precise records of numbers and measures it now grew accustomed to employ great care in statistical records genealogical tables were copied archives were searched for authentic documents chronological computations were undertaken and even universal history was cultivated after the babylonian model in ezra and nehemiah and chronicles we see the same historical scholarship as in p and in ezekiel haggai and zechariah the same high value placed upon exact chronology the reckoning of the months also which is found in p was learned by the jews at this time and probably from babylonia the progress represented by this learned spirit as compared with the simplicity of former times is undeniable even though the products of this learning often fail to appeal to us it is probably characteristic of the beginnings of universal history that such first great historical constructions as we have in p deal largely with mythological or legendary materials and are consequently inadequate according to our modern notions in this respect p may be compared to berossus the emphasis laid by p upon the sabbath the prohibition of bloodshed and circumcision is also comprehensible to us in the light of this period the epoch in which everything depended on the willingness of the individual emphasized the religious commandments which appealed to the individual indeed it may be said that the piety of the patriarchs who are always represented as gerim or strangers and who have to get along without sacrifices and formal ceremonies is a reflection of the piety of the exile when those who lived in the foreign land had neither temples nor sacrifices p s religious criticism of mixed marriages also especially those with canaanitish women whereby the blessing of abraham was forfeited chapter twenty eight verses one through nine connect with the same time when the jews living in the dispersion had no more zealous desire than to keep their blood and their religion pure much more characteristic than these evidences taken from genesis are the others derived from the legal sections of the following books finally there is to be added to all these arguments the late origin of the style of p and in accordance with this the fixing of the date of p as coming from the time of the exile 
is one of the surest results of criticism. We need not attempt to determine here in just what century P wrote, but this much may be said, that the law book of Ezra, in the opinion of many scholars, upon which the congregation took the oath in 444, and in the composition of which Ezra was in some way involved, was P. Hence, we may place the composition of the book in the period from 500 to 444. P, too, was not completed all at once, though this is hardly a matter of importance so far as Genesis goes. The Final Redactor The Final Redactor, who combined the older works of J.E. and P., probably belongs, therefore, to the time after Ezra, and surely before the time of the separation of the Samaritan congregation, which carried the complete Pentateuch along with it, though we are unable, indeed, to give the exact date of this event. The fact that such a combination of the older and the later collections was necessary shows us that the old legends had been planted too deep in the popular heart to be supplanted by the new spirit. Great historical storms had, in the meantime, desecrated the old sacred places. The whole past seemed to the men of the new time to be sinful, and yet the old legends which glorified these places, and which gave such a naive reflection of the olden time, could not be destroyed. The attempt of P to supplant the older tradition had proven a failure. Accordingly, a reverent hand produced a combination of J.E. and P. This last collection was prepared with extraordinary fidelity, especially toward P. Its author aimed, if possible, not to lose a single grain of P's work. We shall not blame him for preferring P to J.E., for P never ceased to dominate Jewish taste. Especially notable is the fact that the redactor applied the chronology of P as a framework for the narratives of J and E. In Genesis, there are a very few features which we can trace with more or less certainty to his hand. Such are a few harmonizing comments or elaborations, like chapter 10, verse 24, chapter 15, verses 7, 8, and 15, chapter 27, verse 46, chapter 35, verses 13 and 14, and further some retouching in chapter 6, verse 7, chapter 7, verses 7, 22, and 23, and also chapter 7, verse 3a, 8, and 9, and finally the distinction between Abram and Abraham, Sarai and Sarah, which is also found in J and E, and some other matters. We have now covered the activities of all the various redactors of Genesis. But in smaller details, the work on the text continues for a long time. Smaller alterations are to be found in chapter 34 and in the numbers of the genealogies in which the Jewish and the Samaritan text 
and the Greek translation differ. More considerable alterations were made in chapter 36, and in chapter 46, verses 8 through 27, while the last large interpolation is the narrative of Abraham's victory over the four kings, a legend from very late times, and of Midrash character. Summary Thus, Genesis has been compounded from very many sources, and in the last state we have described it has remained. In this form, the old legends have exercised an incalculable influence upon all succeeding generations. We may perhaps regret that the last great genius who might have created out of the separate stories a great whole a real Israelitic national epic, never came. Israel produced no Homer. But this is fortunate for our investigation, for just because the individual portions have been left side by side, and in the main unblended, it is possible for us to make out the history of the entire process. For this reason, students of the legend should apply themselves to the investigation of Genesis, which has not been customary hitherto, while theologians should learn that Genesis is not to be understood without the aid of the proper methods for the study of legends. How Genesis came to be attributed to Moses. One word more in closing as to how Genesis has obtained the undeserved honor of being regarded as the work of Moses. From primitive times there existed a tradition in Israel that the divine ordinances regarding worship, law, and morality, as proclaimed by the mouth of the priests, were derived from Moses. When, then, these ordinances, which had originally circulated orally, were written down in larger or smaller works, it was natural that they passed under the name of Moses. Now our Pentateuch consists, in addition to the collections of legends, of such books of law from various periods, and of very diverse spirit. And because the legends also, from the time of the Exodus, have to do chiefly with Moses, it was very easy to combine both legends and laws in one single book. Thus it happened that Genesis has become the first part of a work whose following parts tell chiefly of Moses, and contain many laws that claim to come from Moses. But in its contents, Genesis has no connection with Moses. These narratives, among them so many of a humorous, an artistic or a sentimental character are very remote from the spirit of such a strenuous and wrathful titan as Moses, according to the tradition, must have been. End of The Legends of Genesis Recorded for LibriVox by Joe Dickerson March 2012